Our gospel this morning for the third Sunday of Easter is from the chapter of 24th chapter of Luke, starting at verse 13. That same day, two of his disciples were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles outside of Jerusalem, and they were talking about all the things that had taken place there. Suddenly, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. He said to them, what are you discussing as you walk along? They stood still looking sad, and then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him. And he said, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who doesn't know about the things that have taken place there in these days? Jesus said to him, what things? They said, the things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in word and deed before God and all the people, and about how our chief priests and leaders had him handed over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we'd hoped he'd be the one to redeem Israel. Moreover, some women from our group went to the tomb early this morning, and when they didn't find his body there, they came back and said that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some men from our group went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they didn't find Jesus. Jesus said to them, How foolish you are, and slow of heart to believe all the things the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary for the Messiah to suffer in this way and then enter into his glory? And then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus interpreted for them the things about himself in all the scriptures. When they came near then to the village where they were going, Jesus walked ahead of them as if he were going on, but they urged him strongly, and they said, Stay here with us, for the day is almost over, night has come. So Jesus went in and he stayed with them. While he was at the table with them, he took bread, broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. That very hour, they got up and they returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and their friends gathered together. And they were saying, Jesus is alive and he's appeared to Peter. And then these two from the road told them about what had happened on the road and about how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. The Gospel of the Lord. So I... Love this walk to Emmaus story. I suspect many of you have heard it before. It might be one of my favorites um, in Scripture. And I've talked about it before as a microcosm or as a snapshot of our faith's journey in the world because it just holds so much emotion and so much theology and so many references to the scriptural narrative. I mean, we don't get to hear it all. But we're told that Jesus interprets for his friends that day the things about himself in all of Scripture, starting with Moses and the prophets of what we call the Old Testament. All of it happens just after the resurrection. All of it happens right before he's been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. There's just so much to chew on and to choose from and to wonder about in this story. And again, all of it takes place just after Easter's resurrection with these two sad, broken, 
pitiful souls leaving Jerusalem with their tails between their legs, spiritually decimated by what they witnessed on Good Friday and because they hadn't yet heard the rest of the story. And then Jesus shows up, unannounced and unrecognizable to their weary eyes and to their broken spirits. Maybe Jesus was in disguise because he was afraid of what might happen if the wrong people recognized him. He'd just been murdered, remember? Maybe their eyes were swollen shut or filled with tears. That's why they couldn't recognize him. Maybe they were all wearing masks, covering their mouths and noses to keep from spreading a virus. Who knows? Whatever the case, they tell this supposed stranger what they know and how they feel about everything that had just happened to their friend Jesus from Nazareth, how he was crucified, how he died, how he was buried, even though they thought he was going to be the one to redeem Israel, even though they thought he was going to be the one to fix everything, to save the day. And then Jesus tells them everything he knows and everything they should remember they'd been paying attention. All the prophecies, all the predictions, all the promises about the coming of the Messiah from throughout the Hebrew scriptures. And then they invite Jesus over for dinner. They ask him to stick around for the night rather than to keep walking, traveling to wherever it was he may have gone next. That then is when they recognize him finally at the table over dinner in the breaking of the bread and presumably in the sharing of some wine. Jesus breaks bread with them. And finally, they see him for who he is, their Messiah, their salvation, their forgiveness, their redemption, their reason for living in this life and for the next. But I want to back up for a minute, maybe about seven miles, according to the story. And I want to wonder in a different way about this bit of Luke's gospel and this experience with Jesus outside of Jerusalem with those two otherwise unknown disciples. I don't want to wonder so much this time about the broad scope of this story and all it may have to say about the sweeping narrative of scripture. I don't want to wonder about how it might apply to the grand experiences of our faith journey. I don't want to talk about what I thought I was going to talk about today how this speaks to the significance of Holy Communion as a faith practice for us. I've done those sermons a handful of times, and we are going to share communion later because of it. But I found myself wondering instead this time around about the simple act and example of patience and humility and compassion Jesus showed to those disciples on the road that day outside of Jerusalem, and how that's a pretty practical, holy lesson for all of us still. See, these two friends Jesus meets on the road to Emmaus weren't part of the original 12 closest followers of Jesus. All of them, those 12, I mean, minus Judas Iscariot, of course, all of them were holed up in a room somewhere back in Jerusalem. So these two, Cleopas, who isn't mentioned anywhere else in all of scripture, and his friend, who isn't even worthy of a name, apparently, couldn't have been part of that inner circle. So I wonder if maybe these two are followers on the fringe. Maybe they were latecomers to this Jesus movement. Maybe they didn't get to sit at the table with the cool kids like Peter and James and John and Mary. 
Maybe these two weren't all in yet on this Jesus of Nazareth thing. You know, maybe they'd been curious. Maybe they'd found him interesting. Maybe they'd showed up to check things out but hadn't made an offering or signed up for a class just yet. Maybe they weren't full-on partners in mission, if you will. Maybe they were from Emmaus. And maybe Emmaus was on the wrong side of the tracks, full of subsidized housing or something. Maybe they drank too much. Maybe they voted differently from all the other disciples. Maybe not everyone approved of their relationship or their living arrangement or whatever. The point is, they weren't part of the movers and shakers in Jesus' core group of disciples, or they would have been with them in Jerusalem, and we would have known their names. But they were just as broken, and they were just as dismayed by the hopes that had been dashed. They were just as lost, they were just as alone, they were just as afraid of what they'd witnessed, and they were just as unsure about what in the world was coming next for them. And Jesus showed up for them, just as surely as he did for the 11 back in Jerusalem. And this is what I love about the Jesus I see on the road to Emmaus this time around. Just like he did for Mary outside the tomb, just like he did for Peter sometime before he set out for his walk on the Emmaus road, Jesus shows up for those on the fringes, on the outside, for the least of these, you might say. And so should we. If I were Jesus, I might have gone to have a word with Pontius Pilate that Sunday morning. I might have showed myself to one of the chief priests. I might have made myself known to the soldiers who crucified me. I would have certainly surprised the hell out of Judas and asked him if his little deal with the devil was worth it in the end. But true to form, Jesus goes after the lost and the alone and the broken. And he doesn't dance or gloat or boast. He very literally simply walks with them. He listens to their struggle and he hears about their sadness. He tells them what he knows. He reminds them about who they are and of what they believe deep down in their heart of hearts. And he lets them do the remembering. He lets them see for themselves and then he feeds them just like he always had done and just like he promised he would. And that is how ultimately they come to see again clearly what God had done and what God was willing to do for them. So what if this is nothing more than a master class in evangelism and outreach for us in the days after Easter? What if this Emmaus Road story is God in Jesus showing us what it looks like to share grace and good news? No gloating, no boasting, no rubbing their noses in what people don't know or understand or believe or want even. Just walking alongside people who are hurting and lonely and searching for love and purpose in their life just listening to their story, just acknowledging their struggles and their celebrations, just sharing in their uncertainty and their grief and their questions because we all have them too. Just staying with people 
even when we have other places to be or better things to do a lot of the time. Just breaking bread and sharing wine and letting God's mercy and God's grace do the heavy lifting of revealing the love we already know and have already received in more ways than we can count. So let's go after the lost and the lonely and the broken with this good news in a new way this time around. I mean, I love you all. Don't get me wrong, and I'm under no delusion that we have all of this figured out or that there aren't plenty of lost, lonely, broken souls in our own inner circle. But there's a world full of people whose names we don't know yet, who feel lost and hungry for something more than what the world is feeding them. And we have the bread of life to share. We have grace upon grace to offer. We have roads to travel that others refuse to walk in the name of Jesus. And we are the body of Christ in the world. You and I, believe it or not, I can make that pretty hard for people to see sometimes, but it's true. But it's also true that God's love will be made known through the bread we break when we share it freely. God's love will be made known through the forgiveness we offer. God's love will be made known through the new life and second chances we promise. God's love will be made known when we walk this walk with patience, humility, and compassion. And God's love will be made known when we look for and when we learn from Jesus who walks with us and who shows us this kind of love every step of the way. Amen.